Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about an incredible company called Air Doctor Pro. You can go to airdoctorpro.com, use the promo code Fasting for Life to receive up to $300 off one of their amazing air filters. Um, by supporting them, you're supporting us and the show. I want to tell you an incredible testimony. We now know that the indoor air is two to five, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted um, than the outdoor air, according to the EPA. And my son has been struggling with sleep. He hasn't slept. He's over two years old. He hadn't slept through the night his entire life. My wife and I had done everything. We could not figure it out. We put an Air Doctor Pro in his room, and I am not kidding. The first night he slept through the night, up he went over 30 nights in a row for the first time ever, sleeping through the night. We don't know what it did or what was in the air because we've had our house tested but whatever it's doing is allowing him to rest and sleep peacefully for the first time. And for that, it is absolutely priceless. Air Doctor Pro comes with 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund. Mine is shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use the promo code Fasting for Life to receive up to $300 off any of their air purifiers exclusive to podcast customers. You'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in the special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com. Use the promo code Fasting for Life. Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, I'm a good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Just realize that we always record in the afternoon. One day, I'm just going to mix it up on y'all and drop a good morning. <laughs> Tommy, how are you? See if yep. everybody's listening. See if you're paying attention. Welcome into today's oh, episode. Me, I know. Well, that's all right. Maybe I'll say evening. I don't know. With that, I want to welcome everybody into the episode. If you are new, appreciate y'all joining us for today's conversation. We want you to leave today with one or two actionable things that you can do to put into your fasting lifestyle, and build those fasting habits today. You long-term listeners, we are grateful for your continued support. We love the five-star reviews. Some really cool yes. ones have come in as of late. Just got an email recently, Tommy, I forgot to tell you about this, where I was like, hey, listen to episode whatever number. You gave me a shout out about my review. Keep up the great work. You guys are changing lives. <laughs> cool. I'm down like 35 pounds, et cetera, et cetera. And then we got nice. another one. I was like, hey, listen to this episode. Saw you gave me a shout out. So we do Very read the cool. reviews and we do absolutely appreciate them because that continues to tell the podcast gods and the podcast world that we are delivering value. And if you are new and you want to learn more about who we are and why we do this each and every week, feel free to head back to episode one and hear our story about how fasting has transformed our lives. And that sounds exactly like what I say in the promo or the introduction of our <laughs> podcast as well. And yeah. we hope to be able to join your journey and deliver similar results for you as well. So Tommy, today's conversation is going to be a fun one because we're going to talk about ketones and ketosis and the effects on hunger and mm -hmm. how it can really be valuable to the beginning stages or the re-engagement stage 
of being on or off with your fasting lifestyle or on or off with your weight loss journey. And a little bit about ketones themselves and a couple of studies, some that had interesting results and some that had not so interesting results. And we're going to unpack that a little bit in the fasting for life way. So Tommy, first and foremost, the mm -hmm. study that we're going to start with is going to be the one that had some not so interesting results. You're like, okay, why would you start there? Well, <laughs> one of the biggest things that we hear when somebody comes and finds our podcast or send us a message or joins a challenge or reaches out via email or on, on Facebook Messenger or Instagram is mm -hmm. what about hunger? What do I do? Like, I'm afraid I'm going to be hungry or yeah. how should I eat or what should I eat? And if you listen long enough, we don't subscribe to one dietary lifestyle eating preference, right? You want to eat more high protein, low carb, high fat, that you can be vegetarian and fast, you can be carnivore and fast, you can be keto and fast, right? You don't have to be any of these things. You have to figure out what is sustainable for you long-term. So there's a study sure. in the Journal of Nutrition, December of 2022, so just at the end of last year, and it's talking about the relationship between ketones, ghrelin, and appetite on isocaloric diets with varying carbohydrate quality and amount. So not just mm. the type of carbs, the processed, refined, more processed versus non-processed carbs, but the amount of them as well. And these mm. results were from a randomized controlled trial in people with obesity from the carb funk study. And the results were pretty lackluster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when we start thinking about what should we be eating, it goes hand in hand, right? Like, it's not all about the fast, like the, the fast is really important, but how I break my fast and, and what's on my plate, that, that matters too. And so it, it matters between how hungry I feel, how easy or difficult my next fast is, maybe what kind of cravings come up, right? Or, you know, you can you can have different things you can be measuring things like blood sugar or like or ketones and it's going to have a, an effect there too so getting getting specific with this kind of right. stuff as we we kind of you know go through that journey and then figure out what what's right for us long term to maintain those results is is pretty right. important too and i've i've never been like a like a huge fan of just ultra carb restricted diets right. but but you know we've we've talked in the past about about their usefulness in, in at least in small doses um, right. to potentially accelerate the process. So it's kind of interesting when we, when we go into low carb, high fat diets, how they may actually suppress that increase in appetite that we can experience, especially as we are, you know, losing fat and kind of going through the, the fat loss process too, right? Yeah. So just a couple of terms to define here. So what are ketones? What's ketosis? What is the ketogenic diet? Ketogenic diet is really the restriction of carbohydrate intake to less than 50 grams per day, right? So mm -hmm. a very small amount. And it's, Tommy said a few examples there, a very low carb diet, low carb diet, low carb, high fat, right? All the studies mm -hmm. have different variations in the amounts varying anywhere from, you know, as low as 50 grams of carbohydrates, right? And then if you have a more standard American diet, you're at 55 to 60% carbohydrates, which would be, you know, couple hundred to 250 grams of carbs on any given day. So mm -hmm. taking all of that stuff aside, the definition of, of the ketogenic diet would be, again, that less than 50 grams per day. And the concept, the idea is, is going from glucose as the primary fuel source to using fat or becoming fat adapted 
or the production of ketones. So as mm -hmm. glycogen stores, which are the stored form of glucose, right, is present in the liver and the muscle, once those are used up, the byproduct or the breakdown products of fat then start to be used, which is called ketones. So once you burn through mm -hmm. the glucose and the glycogen, then you start to break down the long-term fat stores and the cells can then depend on ketones rather than glucose. Now there's three different forms of ketones and the one that's most important is the one that's studied in the research and through a finger prick or a blood sample, mm -hmm. not the urine strips or the breath monitors, but that is going to be the beta hydroxybutyrate, which is the ketone body that your body and your cells can use and the brain, which we'll talk about a little bit later, some cool studies about the effects on cognition mm -hmm. as well. That's what we want. We want that ketone production. So nutritional ketosis is defined by blood ketone levels. And this is important as to why the first study really didn't, it was not so interesting, right? Mm -hmm. in, its, in its results, then we'll share a couple that really were interesting. But this, this level of 0.5 to 3.0 millimoles per liter. So we're mm -hmm. not talking about diabetic ketoacidosis, right? Which is high blood ketone levels, five to 10 times higher than nutritional ketosis. And that's going to be really just in a situation where you have severe low insulin, like a type one diabetic that can't produce. Or mm. when you have medication involved, that's, that's messing with and altering the production of insulin, inhibiting that or chemically changing blood sugar levels, right? So we really want to be focusing on that beta hydroxybutyrate. So that's the ketone side of things. And then the hormone, the, the leptin and ghrelin, the hunger component, right? Which is something that we, we see a lot during our challenges where people like they, they get into the transition phase and they start feeling a little wonky. And we'll talk about that yeah. in a second, right? Yeah. But the ghrelin is a hunger hormone that comes from your stomach that is going to, when the stomach is empty, it's going to increase to tell your body, Hey, Hey, look at me, I'm hungry, right? Some of you maybe seen those old commercials where the stomach, I don't remember if it was like Tums or Pepto-Bismol or something, but they, they mm -hmm. had these little, these little caricatures, these little cartoons like in the stomach being like, hey, I'm hungry, give me some food. And then I'm, everybody just throws down whatever's convenient. And then they're sitting there all miserable and uncomfortable being like, oh, we need right. some help. I got some gastric heartburn going on, right? No kidding, so if yeah. the, just picture the stomach empty and these little signals are telling your body, hey, eat, 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 I'm hungry. And the opposite side of that, is leptin, which is your satiety hormone. And there's others, smaller players, but leptin is the opposite. And that actually is gonna be coming from your fat stores. And that's why we talk about leptin resistance and insulin resistance, how they result in weight loss resistance, which is mm -hmm. where fasting can kind of undo some of that. But the leptin side is also important because it's the opposite. It tells your body that no, I'm full, I've got enough stores for winter, I don't need to eat anymore. And this study showed that there really wasn't much of a change in those ghrelin, those hunger hormone levels, but it was interesting because of the ketone numbers that were seen, right, Tommy? Yeah, well, whenever we're actually looking at, at our ketone levels, it matters. And like, if you, if you track these things, you can start to feel like how the hunger is actually hitting you. And it, right. it's, it's kind of interesting because you look at the study and then even when we get to like the 0.3.4 millimoles per liter, like kind of knocking at the door of getting into that that substantial uh nutritional ketosis like entering nutritional ketosis and there's there's really not an effect there's there's not a hunger lowering effect 
And I can attest to that, you know, personally, like, like being right there at that transitional kind of point, which, you know, depending on how long you might be fasting right now, if you've ever done like a, a 16 or 18 or, or 20 hour fast, like that can be really like during that transitional kind of time. And, right. and sometimes it just feels like, whoa, like th- this is, this is hunger. It's nothing like compared to before I started fasting, the fear of the hunger, you know, like uh, the longest I've ever gone is just a few hours without food. I can't see myself going, you know, 16 or 20 hours without food. But, but at the same time, the, the hunger feels very real in that moment. Now, of course, with long-term fat stores, I know that there is, there is more that I could tap into at that point. Like I don't really need to necessarily bring in food right at that moment, but it can feel mm-hmm. very urgent, you know? Right. And, and when, when ketones are sitting at like a 0.3, 0.4, I'm kind of knocking on the door of transition into ketosis there. Those ketones don't help me with the hunger, not until they, they start reaching the higher levels, right? Yeah. And that's why the study was interesting, but not really in that <laughs> they looked at different groups. This was, this was in an obese group as well, right? And they were looking at the low-carb, high-fat principle versus um, there were three different dietary interventions, right? And they were throughout the interventions, intakes of protein and energy were similar with all three eating patterns. They all had a similar reduction in body weight and visceral fat volume after the 12 months. But after three months, ghrelin increased significantly in two groups, but not with the low-carb, high-fat diet group. Ooh, okay. I was like, okay, some benefit going a little low-carb, short-term, restricting those carbohydrates, right? Maybe not as restrictive as keto, 50 or less, but potential, right? There was a benefit there. Yeah. And then it said BHB, so the beta-hydroxybutyrate, excuse me, increased significantly more with the low-carb, high-fat diet than with Mm -hmm. the other two groups but it did not correspond to significant group difference in ghrelin. So overall, we saw some short-term changes, but at the 12-month mark, it didn't really seem to make much of a difference. And that speaks to that, that these were not included in a fasting regimen. So yeah. you were eating low-carb, high-fat, or you were eating you know, 2,000 to 2,500 calories a day, probably all, the day, in, right? all throughout the day, higher yeah. insulin spikes, more blood sugar floating around in the system. So your body was stuck in this endless cycle of being in transition. I don't know about Not you, but going back, going back to when my voice was changing back in the day, <laughs> going through transition, it was not fun. Okay. Yeah. It was not awkward. being stuck. It was awkward, right? So physiologically, you are not getting into ketosis. And this is where fasting can really come into play. But a lot of people will stop right before they get through, get through the sticking point, right? Yeah. Dizziness, yeah. fatigue, low energy, mood swings, upset stomach, brain fog. All of fog, a sudden feeling tired. Tired, yeah. Yeah. weak, right? That That's where it's like, okay, we've depleted the glycogen. Your body's going, ah, I need some sugar, right? I need some glucose. Mm-hmm. But don't worry. Bring it some your food. liver can produce it if you need it. But yeah. hydrating, going for a walk, using some salt, some trace minerals, and you can push through with some fasting. Then we start to see where you're going to get some big changes in your hunger hormone balancing, Mm -hmm. right? Anecdotally speaking, we see this in our own life. We see this in our challenges. Once we push them through the first few days, then they're like, oh yeah, I can extend my window. I do notice a difference. And it is much easier, right? We don't say 50 carbs or less, but if you're starting fasting Mm -hmm. or wanting to get the scale moving and get that momentum going, right? Get the, the result you're looking for and get the scale moving so you're excited about the process. Yep. then eating 20% or less carbohydrate on your plate makes the fasting easier 
So we will see this, this change in your hunger hormones. So this one operating in the standard of, you know, low carb, high fat group eating throughout the day, 2000 to 2500 calories, you're not seeing that change, but they were right on the cusp of that transition, right? And then the other two studies show, even though you're right at the cusp, you can still get some pretty cool results. This one was from the Lipids and Cardiovascular Metabolic Health Journal in 2013, Ketosis and Appetite Mediating Nutrients and Hormones After Weight Loss. And it showed that they got right to that 0.48 plus or minus 0.07, so right at that 0.5 mark, right? And they showed that there was the weight loss induced an increase in ghrelin, but it was suppressed during the trial because beta-hydroxybutyrate had elevated to that 0.5 level. So ghrelin was mm. actually suppressed after the two-week refeeding period, boom, it came right back. Hmm. Wow. So, you know, as, as the results kind of come in, then we can, we can see if we are in control of some of the things that we're eating, at least most of the time, that we have an easier time kind of getting there. And then even as we're losing the weight, that can be a little bit more comfortable and might be a little bit easier to maintain too with a little more carbohydrate control. This kind of gets to that practical application that we hear a lot, which is, can't I just eat whatever I want while right. I'm fasting, right? right. Which Sometimes. That, that was, yeah. And that's kind of where I, I, I kind of started. I had some, some, yeah. you, you know, some eating habits that, you know, that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to. And I, and I felt very uncomfortable with, but at the same time, they were very habitually kind of ingrained. But as, as I started getting better and more consistent with what I was doing with my fasting, it started to become less, less craveable to do more right. of that stuff. And then each fast got a little bit more comfortable as well. And it was, and, and it's, it's confirmed in, in some of these research studies, which is, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And it's just the, this was another study in ketogenic diets and appetite regulation. It talks about the same thing, but the research article that I just mentioned, where they got to that 0.5 level, it, it states that the increase in circulating ghrelin and subjective appetite with accompanying dietary weight reduction were mitigated, right? That increase in ghrelin when weight reduced participants were ketotic. So you got the benefit, right? You got that muting yeah. of that hunger hormone, which allowed you then to be more compliant, which then allowed you to stick with it longer, right? We don't want to lose yeah. the weight and regain it and get off this Beautiful. crazy weight loss roller coaster, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this one last study had also mentioned that the appetite suppressant effect of ketogenic diets may be an important asset for improving adherence to energy restricted diets and weight loss outcomes. So again, beginning mm -hmm. with the end in mind. And this study also mentioned even eucaloric diets containing up to 25% total energy from carbohydrates. So up to 190 carbs a day, we're still allowing folks to see that 0.5 number on their ketone level and still getting the benefit of decreasing that ghrelin or that hunger hormone spike. So wow. this is why when people come and say, oh, I'm just going to cut out all carbohydrates. And I'm like, okay, but for how long? Now we're not talking about refined processed crap. That's part of the food supply these days, right? Sure. Like real natural unrefined unprocessed forms of carbohydrates, right? We're not saying mm -hmm. they're not, you can have fruit, Right. Okay. Don't cut out all fruit. If somebody tells you sure. to cut out all fruit, run away. Nobody got 30 pounds overweight and has metabolic disease or obesity because they ate too much broccoli or strawberries or blueberries, right? Like sure. Yeah. It's okay. Or sweet potatoes. Or sweet potatoes, right? Well, my wife might be able to eat 
enough sweet potatoes <laughs> to get there. She can have sweet potatoes every day. And I'm like, just the smell of those things. I'll pass. So the studies are showing that there is that benefit to being able to get into ketosis. And that's mm-hmm. what one of all of these studies are missing is that we are not compartmentalizing or using time-restricted eating to our benefit, to allow our body to produce ketones, irrespective of the way you decide to eat. Sure. Right? Whatever you choose, however you choose to build your plate, we recommend about a 40-40-20, right? Prioritizing protein, fat, and then minimizing those carbohydrates to about 20% because it makes the fasting easier. Well, you Mm -hmm. also get the additional ketone production, which then mutes the ghrelin, which then makes the process more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, how long does my fast need to be? Well, th- depends. <laughs> Are you getting the results that you're looking for right now? Might need to be just a little bit longer. And the same thing with how low do my carbohydrates need to be or how high do my ketones need to be? Well, you might just be kind of just knocking at the door right before you see some, some even, you know, better results than, than what you initially got. And, right. um, it's an interesting process, but it's, it's also one that, that takes some time. To, you know, you kind of start to associate some of the hunger signals and what the scale is doing and with if you're measuring like your, your ketone numbers or your blood sugar numbers and, and things like that. But um, there's there's definitely a lot to be said about even just a little a little reduction in carbohydrates or a little bit of improvement in what's on the plate, like for consistency right. and then being able to enjoy the process even more. So I want to talk for a second, Tom, you just mentioned making those changes on your plate, right? We get a lot of questions about low carb and different food choices and what should my plate look like? And do you guys have any meal plan recommendations? And the reality is, is no, as important as those decisions are, each and every one of us is a little bit different. Tommy, there's a couple more things here that we want to share in terms of the ketogenic diet and its benefits. And the study actually came out and it was looking at does the ketogenic diet improve cognition, right? So we're talking all about Mm. ketones and ketosis today, but this was a systemic review of 22 animal and 27 human studies reported that the ketogenic diet may potentially improve cognition. So you're like, okay, that's a lot of studies. They do say that, however, the use of subjective measures, varied study designs, and low quality methods suggest that caution is warranted when interpreting the results. I want Mm. to encourage you that if you have never tried the ketogenic diet to try it, because you are going yeah. to feel the difference. And how do you figure out? How do you know? How do you, how do you know if it's a solution for you? Well, we've done an episode on the fact that 90 days can be incredibly powerful for diabetes remission and reversal. But looking at these studies, the number was pretty staggering in terms of success rates when kind of grouping them all together, right? I think it was 80%, right? Yeah. Yeah. Over 80% of the, of the human studies reported a favorable effect of the ketogenic diet on things like cognition. And, you know, the, the incredible thing is that it was, I remember back to when we first started talking fasting a few years ago, and then actually feeling that effect, like I had heard things like brain fog, but that, that's such a, that's such a broad term. Like what is brain fog anyway? Until mine went but, away. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I couldn't even understand the, the term until, until it started to, to kind of drop down. And, you know, so, so it turns out, you know, the relationship between, you know, blood sugar actually dropping a little bit, ketones starting to accumulate, starting to, to get a little bit more fat adapted, which, could be, you know, just based on, on fasting or could also be 
as a byproduct of, of something like a ketogenic diet, starting to feel less of the brain fog. Well, it turns out that there's all kinds of cool things happening actually within the nervous system that go along with that metabolically speaking. And right. it, it's really cool for quality of life as we get older, but it's, it's also something that we can tap into intentionally regardless of our age. And so it's, it's just incredible potential right there. Yeah. And half of the animal studies, right? Okay. Animal studies are good, but 79% of the human studies reported cognitive improvements, right? Yeah. Memory and attention. Okay. You men that are married out there, <laughs> ask your wife if that's important, right? Valentine's day just passed. How right. is your memory? How's your attention been? Yeah. Never okay. forgot a birthday, anniversary. <laughs> yeah. We have two anniversaries, right? Yeah. So for sure, benefit there. Now for the general population, right? Four out of the six human random controls trials reported a favorable effect from the intervention. And yes, there are some limitations based on the subjective measures, quality methods, varied study sure. design. But the reality is, is there are many articles and a lot of research out there that shows that there are benefits, especially going as far as treating certain neurodegenerative diseases, yeah. epilepsy, uh, epilepsy, you yeah. know, staying in a constant state of ketosis can actually prevent seizures, the prevention with Alzheimer's and those types of things and, and dementia. And I don't know about you, but if I'm 41 years old and I'm already struggling with attention and memory, then I'm going to want to do everything that I possibly can to increase right. the BDNF, which is that brain derived nootrophic factor. And you can get increased BDNF through a ketogenic diet and the production of ketones. If they are doing, if they are that powerful to be able to manage conditions such as neurodegenerative illnesses or mood disorders, then they are yeah. definitely something that I want to cycle through in my day to day right. life. I want to yeah. get into ketosis. I want to see those ketone numbers. I want to balance my blood sugar. I need all of those benefits. We're not just talking about weight loss here, but we're talking about the ketone production, the ketogenic diet, right? Fasting. It's a fasting podcast. Well, how do you get into ketosis? The easiest way is to set your timer. Yeah, how fast. do you have an easier fast? Decrease your carbohydrates and make better decisions during your nutrition windows, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all connected. And that's why I was really excited about the conversation today, Tommy, because there's so many different applications. The reality is you're going to have to go try some stuff. So that's why we created the blueprint to fasting for fat loss as well. Yeah. Notice on that blueprint that, you know, it, it has some examples, like how do I get into a little bit longer fast, right? How do I, how do I push a little bit further, which again, might be exactly where you, you are now, or you've been for a while or what, what can feel like a plateau right. is the fact that I just need to, you know, push a little bit, a little bit further. And then, so the, the cool thing is the research shows at 24 hours, we get a large increase in that brain brain derived neurotropic factor, as right. well as serotonin as well. So you know you start to feel differently. You know, like your your brain is is literally the chemistry is is changing at that point, and you can feel it. So you talk about lower brain fog and and higher you know cognitive function. It, it also does have like a mood elevating kind yeah. of effect. It's 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 part of that euphoria that that people will talk about sometimes, and so. It's a it's an awesome process, and it is it is also helpful in enjoying the process and accelerating the the fat loss process too. If if that's what you're you're doing fasting for, yeah. When I first started fasting, my wife was like, "You seem happier." Like this is like years ago. She's like, "You yeah. seem happier." I'm like, "You're right. I think I am. I think I'm I'm less moody." Yeah, it's incredible. So the blueprint to fasting for fat loss. It's a free resource. It's in our show notes. You can click the link. We'll send it over to you. 
It's 20 pages. It gives you some insight into why getting the weight off matters, why reducing insulin resistance matters, why and how to really start the process and ramp up those fasting windows. So there's definitely some things that you can do to put fasting, level up your fasting, or get back on the fasting track after this episode. So we want to encourage you to head to the show notes, click the link, grab the blueprint to fasting for fat loss. Tommy, as always, great conversation today. Appreciate the conversation, sir. And uh, we'll talk soon. Cool. Thanks. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.